that's awesome because now it sounds like it's underwater. <laughs> it sounds underwater to you? <laughs> yeah. It's just my headphones. Sounds great to me. It still sounds cool, but yeah. it's a little underwater. And it's just so fun to be back because the last time I heard this music, we were waiting on Lydia. And now she's right. here. We're on the other side of Baby. You had a girl. I'm so glad. Yes. Her name, her name is Lydia. I wish everyone could see her because she's totally rocking her pink bow and her pink outfit. We have gone full on girl. We have like, we are like Miss Chris over here. She's I'm already all about it. like a month old. Today, a month old. Isn't that crazy? Today. Yes, I can't believe it. I still haven't Makes met me her. sad. Yeah, nobody, like, only like thing. four people have met her. <laughs> I know. She's yeah. going to be walking by the time everyone meets her. <laughs> Start walking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We, uh, I understand where you're clearly where you're, a little negative about yeah, quar- yeah. quarantine quarantine uh, quarantine yeah last night <laughs> I, yeah I know I, I was uh, hanging out with my D group and they um, my question of the night is uh, do you guys feel like you're you're becoming a new person um, while you're being locked up and mm-hmm. they said they got caught up on the idea that I called it being locked up and they didn't like um, <laughs> it sounds like you're in prison I was like well yeah, a little bit. You know, we have a little bit of freedom, but at the same time, we're very, very limited on what we can do. Um, but I feel uh-huh. like, personally, I'm getting a little bit more strange um, in quarantine. <laughs> um, not that I wasn't. Stranger. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> I was already a little strange, but now I'm a little more strange. How so? Give us an example. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't have the constant need to... Uh, put up a front and not that I normally do I'm usually myself uh, but I think it's like human tendency to put up a little bit of front uh, on on yourself when you're in a group of people in Mm -hmm. public Um, sure and now that 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 filter is kind of removed you're just like full-blown unadulterated yourself Um, and it's a little scary sometimes (laughs) that's awesome I did. I felt a little nervous about myself today because, and I'm not. I'm not kidding. And I'll let y'all know how this goes. But I have asked Kent if he'd be willing to cut my hair. Uh oh. Because it is strange long. It is talking about strange. It's gotten very strange. And so he is not committed yet. But I was like, this is the time. Like, no one's going to see me for lunch. So if it's real bad, let's rock it. Let's rock a bad haircut. So I feel like I've gotten a little strange in my. Or maybe a little more bold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just put it. <laughs> what in, I'm willing to put try. It, put it in a ponytail and just take take the the hedge clippers to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just chop one blow with the weed eater. We're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the video where the dad sucks up the the daughter's hair into the vacuum, and then on the vacuum <laughs> on the vacuum hose he has like a scrunchie and he just slides the scrunchie over the hair and then it's a perfect ponytail. <laughs> No way. Yeah. That's genius. You should look, look it up on YouTube. It's a pretty awesome video. I I want to do it with Hannah, but um, Carrie says that's not safe. I'm like, I mean, worse comes to worse. Like, her hair just gets sucked off and it grows back out. But you'd have to have a... <laughs> you know where she's bald. Yeah, you, you would have to have a pretty powerful vacuum, and we definitely don't have that. We've broken, like, every vacuum <laughs> we've ever owned. Yeah, I don't know if that works with your Roomba. No. Well, it would definitely <laughs> suck her hair off because it would just get so tangled. 
Um, I, I love getting notifications on my phone from my Roomba saying, Roomba is near a cliff. Please come save it. <laughs> uh, that's so awesome. I only think of DJ Roomba when I think of Roombas. But the shout out for Parks and Rec if people have not. Yeah. That yeah. DJ Roomba. Look that up on YouTube. DJ Roomba. Yeah. Um, we, so, we times bust out DJ Roomba whenever we feel like it. And then Micah will, will take the speaker off the top of Roomba. And, um, but we always know where he is. Wherever the noise is coming, that's where he's at. That's so awesome. All right. It is, it's April. We have made it to April. It has been a month since our last episode of Student Ministry for Parents. Biblical application into adolescent drama. If you guys couldn't tell, we are in quarantine and Susan is on the phone. So if she sounds different or if I sound different, that is why we're not actually together in the same room. So you don't have to worry about that. We are still on lockdown. And if you also hear some crying, it might be Susan or it might be Lydia uh, <laughs> in, in the background. Um, I say it's Susan Fair. just because she's so extroverted. She can only live out that extrovertedness virtually or with her family, which is a good thing. But sometimes we need other people besides our family. It causes for stress, which is what we're talking about today. Susan, mm. can I ask you a question? Bring it on. How stressed are you right now? Oh, zero. <laughs> zero? None. Zero. Why? Um... Well, I'm going to make this, I'll try to make this a short answer, but I do think, so quarantine is strange, um, but I think for me, which I've really seen the Lord's kindness in this, I think because I just had a baby, I would have been quarantined anyway. Yeah. I mean, obviously it would have been nice because people could have come to me, but I think because transitioning a new person into your life is such a unique time of life, it's actually been really sweet that the world has stopped um, because we're not racing to get anywhere and I'm not trying to figure out how to get three kids somewhere. It's like, we're just hunkered down at home and um, I am just actually feeling stress would not be any of the things I have felt recently. Like, I wouldn't name that stress. Um, maybe sadness um, of just the state of our world right now, but Stress. I'm I'm at a level zero right now because I have not personally decided to be stressed about homeschooling. I'm not stressed with the new baby because she's really easy and we're having a simple life. And my husband's home, so it's like we can all have help. So I would say I'm doing good. How about how's your stress level right now? Where where are you? What's your number? Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm a pretty low stress person in the first place. Uh, That's so true. as long as I can get out for a workout, uh, at least yeah. every other day, I'm good. As long as I can get that like physical energy out. Um, I, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this slow pace of life, not having anywhere I have to be, you know, I have meetings and such, but I don't have to travel for any of them. And, yeah. and there's also kind of a, like a lot of grace if something is missed or if like a deadline is pushed back. It's it's kind of nice in, in some sense. So, yeah, my stress level is pretty low. I can't say that that is always the case. Sometimes being in close quarters with three small children for a yeah. long period <laughs> of time creates stress. But overall, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Let me ask you awesome. this. How 
stress were you as a teenager? I would say mild, mildly. I feel like I became more stressed out and anxious the older I got. I think I was pretty chilled out. And I would say, <laughs> I guess I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm way overthinking this question. Um, but I would say I probably was more stressed by relational things, which I think I learned to deal with better than like academic stress. Like I was never someone who was like super stressed and anxiety attack about work but probably spent most of my time obsessing about boys or friendships and um that was probably like a low level stress for me in high school but you were you still felt moments of stress but mostly just relationships. oh yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yes I wasn't I wasn't like oh I'm not stressed out at all definitely I mean I think especially I was completely boy crazy and so I think like the stress of like a crush or a boyfriend. I mean, I think that was probably what took over a lot of my life. Relational stress. Yes. How, how much do you think that that is you looking back and realizing that wasn't really that stressful. And so you've kind of written it off as opposed to being in the moment as a teenager, you were actually super stressed. Mm. That's such a good question. I think that is definitely looking back and being like, that oh, wasn't that big a deal. Um, I, I wish I could remember the quote. I am like the worst person to try to quote anything, but it is in some show. It might have been Friday Night Lights. I'm not sure. Probably. But it talks about how, it, <laughs> probably because that shit over. Um, it talks about how when you're a teenager, everything feels urgent and immediate and necessary and like how the pain of you know, like maybe a, a bad interaction with a friend or like, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, it, it's kind of like life altering. It destroys your day, your week, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think for sure I can remember times of like sobbing cause I was so sad and stressed about any given experience because I didn't, I didn't really necessarily have all the tools or ways to think about it. But yeah, looking back as a older, more mature person, I can definitely look back and be like, that wasn't that bad. But yes, if I like actually sit and think about what did that look like, I was probably way more stressed than I'm remembering right now. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, I've mentioned on this before, is he was the, the dean of discipline uh, for many, many years, both in middle school and high school. And he had this poster on his door before you would enter into his office that says, your lack of planning does not create an emergency on my part. Because he knew <laughs> on on his end, he would have a lot of stressed out teenagers coming in, like busting in, mm. looking for help because they had received some form of discipline from a teacher or some an emergency. He was kind of like a step before you would like go see the school counselor and he would kind of direct them in one way or another. He would either say, that sounds like uh, that was poor planning on your part. I'm not going to help you with that, or I will help you with it mm -hmm. when I have time with it. But for the teenager that would come in the door, they would see, like, you need to drop everything because this is the only thing on my mind. So I need yeah. your help on this. Uh, and that, like, was ingrained on me uh, early on. So I, mm -hmm. I learned early on, um, from my dad that 
if I'm feeling an emergency, it is probably my own mind like spiraling and most people don't Mm -hmm. see it as an emergency or it's just my lack of planning. So I learned to be a fairly good planner or fairly good at, you know, improvising, making Mm -hmm. decisions on my feet. So kudos to my dad for putting that on me in some form or another. Um, I don't know if any of that was unhealthy, but I felt like it was helpful in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So you've thrown out a couple. Because those aren't tools that you have when you're in high school. No, definitely not. Well, you, you, you don't have the capacity to think on that level. Like you don't have, like Uh when you're stressed out and we'll talk about this in a little bit, when you're stressed out as a teenager, you don't have the capacity to look outside yourself. So you don't, you can't see how crazy you're, you're acting, which is really <laughs> funny to think about. Uh, but that's just, no, I only laugh just cause I relate to that currently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of like being me right now. Not yeah. this today, but like yeah. in general, like, Oh, I can be kind of insane sometimes about things. Yeah. Well, let's, well, let's go ahead and jump into that. Let's talk about you as an adult dealing with that situation versus what a teenager uh, would do in that situation. Mm -hmm. So you would Mm -hmm. deem yourself a fairly anxious person. Uh, We've talked about that in a previous episode. You would Mm -hmm. title yourself as anxiety driven in in both a, a good and a bad way. And in those moments of anxiety, I'm just trying to recap, but also trying to guess, uh, in those moments of anxiety for you, uh, you kind of spiral down into worst case scenario or what if situations. Is that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, but eventually either somebody will talk you down from it or you will begin to reason with yourself and realize, oh, there is a reasonable explanation for this, or I've done enough research where I feel feel good about that, right? Right. You right. you have proper coping mechanisms to to bring you back to reality, right? Am 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 I guessing that correctly? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think sometimes it helps. I, I would say the only thing I'd clarify is like, do I possess? proper coping mechanisms sure do they always kick in no i think i rely a lot on outside voices to bring me back to truth because it's like i can know the truth but the thing about stress and the thing about anxiety is i would say like most of the time it is rooted in such illogical reasoning you know like there is no um there's normally very little truth in it there's normally very little proper thought or proper reasoning, maybe more so the anxiety than stress. I feel like maybe we should define those. I don't know if I'm, yeah, maybe yeah. that's my question to you. How would you define stress? I'm, I think I'm overthinking a lot of the questions because I want to know how you're defining. No, stress. I literally have on my notes, the difference between stress and anxiety. There is a difference. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Okay. Uh, usually stress is what causes that feeling. So stress is something that, that puts that feeling upon you. Stress is going to be, you know, the weight that causes the anxiety. Gotcha. So stress you would say is like the precursor to 
to like a full out, well, I'm feeling so anxious about this. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of crossover in the definitions. So stress and anxiety have a lot in common, but stress is going to be the way things are implemented, which will eventually turn into anxiety. Yes, it is kind of a precursor, but there is a difference. And we've talked about anxiety. Anxiety leads into like great disorders and it's crippling and it, it can lead you down that spiraling path. But stress is something that is most likely more manageable, which is why I wanted to talk about stress as opposed to anxiety. So mm-hmm. as we kind of continue to talk, I was reading the book thinking like, I want a clearer definition of stress and anxiety. And I wasn't really given it either. And I clearly have not given it to y'all as well because there's so much crossover and they do uh, synonymously work together. But I like to think mm-hmm. of stress as something that is more tangible to work with as opposed to anxiety. That is exactly what I was thinking about. You, you like totally took the words out of my brain. But yes, I agree. So I want to first start with talking about what is what is good stress versus what is bad stress. Susan, when I when I throw that out there, have you ever looked at stress as being good? Well, I think that's why I wanted you to to um, define it for me because I mean, obviously, stress is is bigger than this. But like some of the things that I was thinking of in my own life, I think a place that I look at stress is when, let's say, we've got a lot going on on the youth calendar, like we've got a retreat coming up and then a Thanksgiving show and then, you know, like, like things that pile up together. I think that sometimes will cause me stress because it's like it in and of itself, it's not that hard. It's just a lot of detailed stuff, which for me personally is stressful because I'm not a detailed person. And so it's like my mind is working overtime to make sure I haven't forgotten things, but um, it, it's such a motivator because it like helps me almost be more on my toes because I know like, Hey, I'm not a detailed person and I need to get this done. And so like, as far as like work or, I mean, you know, even for student school work, that kind of stress I feel like can be helpful because it, it's like a hyper sensitive um, way that my mind starts to work of like, okay, I'm not good at this. Anyways, I would say that kind of stress ends up being helpful because it, it kind of creates me into this like hyper-driven, helpful place instead of like that's where stress kind of veers from anxiety for me of like stress feels like a more, um, like when you're saying more tangible, it's like this thing that I can accomplish or manage, whereas anxiety really kind of, for me, starts to get into this place of the unknown, catastrophizing, (laughs) I can't say that word, um, making something into a catastrophe, you know, like so on and so forth. So <clears throat> I do think stress can be helpful because it kind of helps me focus differently. I have to manage it, but, you know, I think it can be helpful yeah. in some ways. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, thinking about stress, again, as opposed to anxiety, is stress you can kind of compartmentalize and you break off into little segments. So things that cause stress – so if we go back to thinking about a runner and let's say I'm going to train for a marathon and I, I've trained for a marathon a few times. I've, I've written workouts for marathoners and you need to have like kind of this slow build of workouts and you don't want to add on too much too quickly 
because mm-hmm. you kind of have to build up your stress of resilience in order to do the the harder stuff later on. So if I'm going to run, um, to make this simple, a hundred miles a week, if I want, if that is my end goal, I don't want to immediately just in my first week run a hundred miles to see if I could do it. What, what is most like, yeah, what is most likely going to happen is I'm either a going to get burned out. I'm mentally just going to not be able to deal with it. And that is a, what I would call a mental injury. Um, where you are affected to the point to where you just don't want to do something um, because you put too much on yourself too quickly, or you're going to get a physical injury, which is most likely sometimes you get both and, uh, which is what happened to me during this um, quarantine. I've been able to go run and there hasn't been much else to do outside of getting a physical outlet for me. So I started running quite a bit and I eventually just injured my Achilles, uh, which my Achilles is susceptible Mm -hmm. to that. I did too much too fast. Mm -hmm. And so the stress crippled me. Uh, What I should have done is slowly build up to what I wanted to do. So good stress will create proper resilience later on. So you want to be able to apply just enough so that you can grow further later on. So healthy stress versus unhealthy. Um, I have a quote here. Healthy stress becomes unhealthy when it exceeds an individual's ability to absorb it. So at the point, the breaking point of for me as a runner was when my legs were not physically able to absorb the impact of running on the road at the volume that I was trying to do it at. So you could take that analogy, which is a true analogy for for athletes, um, and you could take that into little stresses of life. So anytime that you have something to do, um, let's say you have a massive checklist, Susan, and you have so many things on your checklist that you feel like you can't do them all, but you know, you can do one at each time. And to make that, that checklist more doable or less stressful is to actually remove some of the things that you have to do. So you create a checklist that is, doable for you, but you also want to put enough on there to, to the point to where it stretches you just a little bit. And the more you add on incrementally, the more you'll be able to do later on. So it's the same type of concept. So that's, that is what a good stress is supposed to look like. It's meant, it's meant to stretch you just enough so that when you come back to it, when you were stretched just a little bit, when you come back to it again, you, it seems more manageable. And then you do that for a little bit while, uh, for a little while, and then you can add a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then you can look at tangible results of what you were, what you used to do versus what you can do now. So that, that's what. Totally. I was just going to say, so at the point that you can't absorb it anymore, is that where it crosses into anxiety? Yes. Yeah. So once you hit that point of, uh, your your body can't absorb the amount of stress that it's taking on. It will uh, eventually morph into an anxious feeling. Uh, so they, they actually break down stress into two categories, and you have these m- moments of minimal stress uh, where you're, it's kind of like those check boxes, those little things that you have to do every day, get groceries, do the laundry, that type of stuff, got to do my homework, all of that. Those are Believe it or not, everything that you have to do in a day is a minimal moment of stress. 
That's why, like, at the end of the day, you're either just mentally injured because you've done too much or mm-hmm. and you need to check out, which would actually be some sort of healthy way to handle it. Like, I've done too much. I need to stop at this moment. Uh, it becomes anxiety when you, you continue to build on and add on to that stress. So that's kind of a, a minimal stress. My watch actually tracks that t- type of stuff. Um, it's kind of cool where mm-hmm. technology is kind of monitoring your heart rate and the amount of activity that you do in a day. And it will give me a rating all day long. What are my stress levels at? I don't exactly know what it means, um, but it's kind of cool that my watch can track it. So um, it actually will say that my watch will like beep and says, uh, you are pretty stressed right now. It would actually be healthy for you to go on a walk or on a run. And what that will do will actually, it'll add a little bit of stress, but it'll pay off in the recovery part of it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of a healthy way to, to handle stress. Sometimes you need to add a little bit of good stress to make the bad stress better, if that makes any sense. Anyways, <laughs> that's what my technology, my phone and my watch well, tell me to do. I don't really exactly quite understand it. I'm just laughing at the difference of men and women because my watch, is a little different than yours, but it'll tell me my heart rate. <laughs> and normally my heart rate's very low. And if it at all, if I ever check it and it is remotely high, I mean, like, not even high, just, like, higher than normal, that sends me in an anxiety spiral, which then makes my heart rate higher and then I'm convinced I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's... <laughs> Whereas you're like, I should take a run. I'm like, I need to take my blood pressure because I probably need to get the emergency room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, if it's – I, this is my own personal advice in that situation. If you're mentally stressed, put your body through some physical stress, and that should help with it. Mm-hmm. If you're physically stressed, do something that's mentally stressing, which is going to be – it's going to be kind of uh, combating it. Obviously, you don't want to overdo it. I'm not going to – if I'm like at my wits end and I'm exhausted mentally for me to go out and do like a half marathon all out, that would completely drain my body, both mentally and physically. I would just go out for like an easy jog or something. Uh, so you don't want to just overdo it or anything like that. And vice versa. If I'm like physically just stressed and my body just can't take anymore, I don't want to sit down and read, you know, the biggest book that I have, but I want to I want to read something that is just going to kind of take my mind off of it. So I would read some sort of fiction that's easy to read and kind of pass the time. That's, that's my own like two quick cents on like how really I, helpful, I, I manage stress in my own life. So that's, that's, that's kind of minimal stress uh, that everybody experiences. And um, it's these small little things that you do every day. If you, if you're uh, somebody who categorizes things and makes checklists, you could literally look at, your stress, what your stress level will be at the end of the day, depending on how long your checklist is and what type of a worker that you are. If you're the type of person who can only do one thing a day, don't really do more than that because it's going to add more stress than you can handle. If you want to grow beyond that, do one thing, do your one thing and then do a little bit more. That's applying good stress to minimal stress Mm -hmm. moments. Obviously people can do more than one thing in a day, but some people can't. So Um, The other big thing, which is the other side of stress, which is chronic stress. And this really comes, and this is what really leads into kind of anxiety disorders. If somebody experiences chronic stress without coping with it properly. 
So chronic stress is going to be found in big life moments. So we are kind of in that big life moment right now as a world. If you think about it, this is something that is going to create chronic stress for people worldwide uh, because we've had to completely alter our life and our schedule, our income, whatever it is, uh, this is creating some sort of chronic stress on us. And a lot of articles are being put out about how on the other side of it, once we get out of all this COVID-19 stuff, the amount of psychological disorders in people is going to increase. And that is because um, a lot of people will need assistance in coping with what this chronic stress has done. So that's kind of taking our current life culture and putting it in perspective, but also thinking that there are other things that create chronic stress. You could think about a major move. You could think about a new job. You could think about a divorce. You could think about a marriage. Anything that's going to alter your life significantly is kind of chronic stress. And that is something, obviously, when you're on the other side of it or in the midst of it, you're going to need greater recovery, just like I would with a workout. If I'm going to go actually race a marathon, I'm not going to immediately jump back into my exercise routine that I was doing before. I'm actually going to have to take more time off than I normally would after a normal run. So the same would be true for any big life moment. So right. I'm not saying this. I'm, I'm assuming that everybody knows that already. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just putting things into categories and setting us up so that we can see how this is experienced as a teenager. It is a definite different experience if you're in the adolescent stage of life. So the way an adult handles minimal stress and chronic stress is actually very different than the way a teenager handles it. So let's, let's go back to your teenage years, Susan, and, you know, also thinking about um, what my dad's poster was talking about is that when a stressful moment would happen when we were teenagers, we would kind of like put up blinders and we could never see outside of ourselves, right? Right. This is why it's so confusing for a teenager when we are confronted with them when they're stressed out. It's really confusing from the adult's perspective because when a teenager is calm and not stressed, they are as reasonable, if not more logical and reasonable than any other adult out there. So Mm. you you put them in that category of um, adulthood when they're not stressed. And more likely than not, a teenager is in that stage in a daily life, hopefully more than when they are stressed. So what that does for us as adults is we see these teenagers as adults most of the time when, it, when, when reason is put into play. So you have that category of any teenager in your life. Here's the huge kicker is that when a teenager become stressed. It's kind of like, uh, I like to use this analogy. It's kind of like, let's say you, you ever burned yourself, Susan had a, yeah. like a burn and have you yeah. ever like, after, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after you've burned yourself, you've poured any sort of like liquid or had to touch like your new skin. Have, mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to you? 
what what was your response when that would happen? Um, I mean, it's one of those things we try to avoid touching it at all costs because it is so painful. Right. So I like to envision a teenager's brain as kind of like new, fresh skin after it's been burned. And then uh, when when they get stressed out, they get hot liquid poured over it. And Mm -hmm. what will end up happening is they just become this crazy, irrational, chaotic uh, person. (laughs) Yeah, I'm assuming you've watched Home Alone. Everybody's watched Home Alone. (laughs) So when he like gets his his head burned, uh, if you guys have never seen Home Alone, uh, Uh. go watch it. It's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. He gets his head burned by the torch or whatever, and it, it. his head's clearly on fire. Um, he's like running around outside until he can dip his head into um, the cold snow to kind of relieve him from the pain. Uh, that is somewhat of a physical um, image of what's going on in a teenager's brain when they're stressed out. Is It's just kind of this spiraling. You can't deal with anything else other than the burn. So you just mm. kind of black everything out and you just try to deal with it. And one of the psychologists in this book talks about it's kind of, it's like a a jar full of water and glitter. Um, Most of the time until the jar is shaken up, it is just a a jar of clear water with the glitter at the bottom. And when a a teenager gets stressed, it's like shaking up that jar and it's just all this glitter like throughout the water. And you have a hard time distinguishing between a, a reasonable clear liquid versus the the sparkly shiny glitter until over time mm-hmm. it kind of sifts down and it settles into itself. So th- those are kind of like visual images for us to think about as a teenager. You, you're, you're confronted with a stressed teenager. They are a completely different being. They almost don't act human when they are stressed out because you're so used to them being reasonable and logical like an adult. And then all of a sudden they become stressed and they're just this screaming person um, trying to control their stressful moment at any given cost. <laughs> so Susan, you spend a lot of time totally. with teenagers. How, how often are you confronted with a stressed teenager? Oh, all the time. Continually. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever noticed the difference between that, that kid when they're stressed and when they're not? Yeah, I really like that um, when you're, it's not an analogy, I like the way you were saying that though, because I'm like, it's so true because, uh, especially in our jobs, because we haven't been parents of teenagers, maybe it, it does feel a little different as a parent, but as a youth leader, there are sometimes I really have to remind myself that they aren't in the same place as me, because like you said, you can have such high level conversations, emotionally intelligent. Uh, you know, intelligent in general and just feel pretty equal in that way. And then when you see something that sometimes is major or even a minor stress just to watch the like complete meltdown, um, it is really interesting to see like, this is really hard. And even when you're saying that, I'm like, I always hope that our podcast and the things that we bring up, <laughs> the thing that I always walk away from is just like such empathy. I'm like, it's so hard. To be a teenager because um, it, you just don't have all the tools yet, and you just need so much help navigating a lot of those things. So yes, I would, I do see that a lot, and it is, it is hard and sad to watch someone who normally can function really, oh, adult like 
just watch them kind of melt down. I, for some reason, the mental image I kept seeing when you were talking is just like a raccoon, just yeah. like a totally irrational, like, ah, just going crazy because stress is so hard to yeah. manage when you don't have all the tools. For right. Sure. Yeah. And that that's the thing about teenagers is comparatively between minimal stresses we talked about and chronic stress, they have even a hard time distinguishing those two. So it's, mm-hmm. um, if, if your teenager is all of a sudden acting like really crazy because they, you were asking them to do the laundry, what, what that may be doing is being, it might push them over the limit of their minimal stress throughout the day. And so they treat it as a chronic stress. Um, it, when we as adults know that that is not true, they still don't, they're still working on the tools in order to, distinguish the two life events so they they will come to us as youth leaders and be like oh like my my mom told me i had to do my homework and i've got too much going on right now i just can't do that and what's key for us as youth leaders uh, over the years and because we spend so much time with teenagers we've learned to distinguish this a little bit is not just knock that off as like something that's ridiculous. Uh, why would you think that? But truly take the time to be like, oh, like what else is causing stress in your life? Um, why does that stress you out? And then they'll go on to list a million things. about um as we kind of have talked about the 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 reality of a teenager dealing with stress they have a they don't really have the tools um quite yet they have some of the tools but not all of them but their brain is also in an irrational state where it experiences things at a much higher level so their highs are really high and their lows are really low and a lot of brain scientists and there's uh, some articles out there that talk about the neuroplasticity of the brain and I've talked about this in our um, episode on distraction. Our brains are basically plastic in the sense that we're able to continually create new connections within our brain and continually learn and continually grow and continually teach ourselves to do stuff. So as an adult, um, our plastic is a little more firm. And so being able to teach yourself something takes a little more effort. Um, it takes a little more practice. For a teenager, when they're learning something, their brain is basically heated up plastic. So they have, um, in some capacity, uh, made it more manageable to learn stuff, um, which makes them these incredible human beings that have the capacity to create and do things in the way that adults never would be able to do just because they're so capable in that time. And they also are capable of reasoning like an adult, but on the other end of things, they can make bad connections very quickly as much as they can make good connections. So we have Mm -hmm. to be very careful as adults to, to teach them moments of growth within their moments of stress. So you think about stress as not something that is so bad, but think about stress as something uh, where we it is an opportunity to help our teenagers grow in something. So we have to push them just enough, but not so much that they break down and then they become anxious. 
to the point to where they just back away and don't want to deal with something. That is that is good stress. And that that's what I want this episode to really focus on is how can our dealing with a teenager's stress help them grow? If we are to add stress to a teenager's life, how can we do it in a helpful way versus a hurtful way? And the book, and I'm again going to keep recommending this, she has so much... There's so many helpful tips in there that there's no way I can get to all of them. But I do want to pick out a couple that I really found really helpful for me to hear, but also where I've seen us as youth leaders utilize these really well. Um, and it's really helpful to have that outside perspective from not being a parent of the teenager to, to emphasize these things. But you can take these home with you as well. So one of the things that she talks about is make sure that you're responding to a teenager stress, not reacting. And there's a very fine line uh, um, of difference there of making sure. Yeah. Can't wait to hear the difference. Yeah. So when you're reacting, a reaction is something that is immediate uh, where you are just going back and forth and just, you know, you, it's almost like somebody offends you and then you immediately offend them back. Uh, just because you're reacting to the moment you felt offended. And so whatever is natural for you to, to spit back is what you do. It's your natural tendency. And as we know, as Christians, our natural tendency is to be pretty sinful. So uh, if you <laughs> react uh, to a stressed out teenager in your face, you're most likely going to sin against them. And you don't want to do that. What we, what we want to do is respond, and a response usually comes after listening well. So that is like one of the first things that we can do is sit there and wait and listen to the teenager as they are kind of verbally vomiting their stress throughout the day. And sometimes what's hard about this is that they will be pointing at you as you, the, the thing that mm -hmm. is stressing them out. And that's why we often want to react to a stressed out teenager is because we personally feel offended. And mm -hmm. in, in that moment, you may have stressed them out to the point to where they need to call you out. And we have to be the adults with the more um, developed brain and be patient, maybe fuming. Um, I've definitely been there. I've been in the point where like, I'm fuming in my head. But when you, when you do that, when you respond versus react, you're at that moment putting a tool in that teenager's toolbox to handle with stress better later on in life. Because somebody is eventually going to come to them stressed, and they need to know how to handle that. Because the tendency of a teenager is to always react. That's just where their brain is at. When somebody comes at them stressed, that's like somebody putting a finger to their burned skin. So they're immediately going to react. They're going to jerk back. They're going to scream. They're going to do whatever. But as they get a little bit older, they're going to learn how to handle that well. So that's that's kind of the first thing. Respond. Can I interrupt you really fast? Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is that is just so helpful. And I just feel like, maybe this is just my personality, but I think that is really hard for me as a parent, even though my oldest is just now turned six. Um, I think it is so hard for me to not <laughs> respond to my child the way they are acting. This is totally exposing how immature I can be. Um, but like, what a great reminder that 
we really, as believers, as parents, as role models, as leaders, we have to remember um, that we have such a huge part to play in healthy response. Because I was thinking, I wonder what that's like for a parent who their kid, their kid's stress actually stresses them out. <laughs> I'm always yeah. like, as you're going through these scenarios, I, I sometimes like internalize those things of like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do if my kid is super, a super anxious child or a super anxious teenager, super stressed out teenager, and their stress actually creates a ton of stress in me. Like, I, I, again, this might be like a whole other podcast, but just thinking like, how do we actually manage that as adults and in roles of parenting to to really work on responding well instead of like exploding or just, I mean, I'm like, wow, that's why it is going to be so necessary for me to learn how to repent really well to my children because I'm like, I know we're going to screw this up. Um, But like, I really appreciate that reminder of like, we've got to be um, just so aware of ourselves in those moments because I can only imagine as our kids get older and parents of you are navigating the teenage years that like sometimes your kids stress totally stresses you out, whether it's like making you sad and anxious or it's making you ticked off. You're like, I just want you to, stop stressing about this or stop dealing with your stress this way or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so that's just like a really helpful reminder for me of a tool of what do I do? And, um, you know, any of my kids is some kind of stress to actually really be working on how am I responding? Because I am such a reactor and I would even say an overreactor. So that's yeah. really helpful. So sorry yeah. for the interruption, but I no. just, I wanted to, point that out again of like that that is that is gold of like a growth point for myself and probably for anyone listening of just you know really really being aware of ourselves is just super hard and something we gotta practice yeah so the author actually gives um again like several tools uh, on how to handle that like how to how to approach a teenager and um how to respond versus reacting and again, I, I want to say this, that every, every time that you handle stress in a healthy way with your teenager, you're putting a healthy tool in their toolbox to handle stress later on in life. You're giving them healthy ways to handle their own stress so that they can cope with it by themselves, but also, mm-hmm. you know, cope with it with others that are coming to them in stressful moments. And again, it creates this kind of cycle of healthy stress and dealing with good stress in a good way. So she, she lists a lot of stuff, but I pulled out three that I really like. Um, so respond, but not react. And then there's, here's three things that um, you can really think about is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised by the irrationality of the teenager. Don't be surprised about how inhuman they become in stressed moments. <laughs> don't be surprised when they uh, deal with minimal stress in the same that they would deal with chronic stress. We are dealing with what I would call somewhat irrational, underdeveloped adults. Um, So in so many ways, they're so developed and are fully done developing, uh, but in so many ways, they're not. And so we we can't be surprised when they start to act childish uh, or just kind of off the rails. That's just something to keep in mind. Um, So that could almost, when they come to you stressed, 
and you want, immediately want to react, just think like, okay, they're not being rational. They don't know that, but I'm going to be quiet while they are stressing out on me just for a moment. I mean, obviously discipline where discipline is needed and we don't want any teenager to be disrespectful, but teenagers can emote uh, stress in many different ways that aren't disrespectful. It's just getting good at listening to them. All right. Number two is have an advanced plan, how to deal with your teenager's stress or your adolescent stress. As the author talks about her and her daughter, and she knows that a, um, a cup of tea is most likely going to be a calming thing for her. And so just she will first listen to her daughter and saying like, I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way. Why don't we grab a cup of tea and talk about it? I know for a lot of you, you're like, that sounds ridiculous. My, my child would never do something like that. But I, I know my parents, like, they knew that when I was stressed as a kid, they'd be like, go outside. And that, that was them teaching me, like, when you're stressed, go do something physical. That was, it's, again, a little bit easier for boys than it is for girls, just because we emote very differently. So figuring out what is the best plan of action when your stressed out teenager comes to you and how to deal with that. So don't, don't, that's again, that's responding and knowing that you have a system in place of dealing with the stress. Reacting would be just figuring it out in the moment. You don't want to do that. You, you're, you know, your kid more than anybody else. So you hopefully know the best way to deal with their, their stress. And sometimes you got to experiment along the way to see what works and what doesn't because they're no longer that child. And they're not quite that adult yet. So you kind of have to figure it out. Use us as youth leaders. Um, that's what we're here for in so many ways. And thirdly, it goes along with that is affirm through listening and reiterating. So listening to the teenager and then reiterating what, they, what you think they said. And if they begin to calm down, it most likely what that means is that they heard that you heard them. And they're ready to be rational with you. And it, and it brings them down. Usually, just as quickly as a, a teenager can get stressed out, they can become de-stressed at the same time. So it's just like this crazy light switch of a moment and can be kind of crazy. And all they need to know is that they are heard in the moment. Um, and so reiterating what they said is actually very helpful for them to know that they are affirmed and heard. this is a fourth one but um i love this analogy that she uses is that when when you're ever on an airplane they teach you the emergency situation if the masks come down from the ceiling make sure you put you put the mm. mask on yourself before yeah. you put it on the child make sure you're secure mm -hmm. before you secure your child and that is for both of y'all's safety uh, because um if you feel like I'm not going to come at this very well. I feel like I'm going to react and not respond. You may have to do whatever coping mechanism you need to do in that moment to de-stress yourself so that you can 
then go de-stress your own teenager. That is the most important thing in that in, in that time. So I love that analogy. It really makes sense. It, 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 it affirms self-care that you are not just this mm-hmm. person to be rolled over and this person to be disrespected, uh, but you actually, it is vital for you to take care of yourself and to know how you handle your own self in stressful moments, uh, first and foremost. So that that is um, kind of like a not even 30,000, that's like a 100,000 foot view of the book, of the stuff that she gives. But I mostly uh, wanted to say all that in the sense of we want to put biblical roots to all this and how Jesus actually spends stressful moments. Jesus wasn't removed Mm -hmm. from stress. He might have lived one of the most stressed lives ever lived. But obviously, he, he was this human standard. He's our savior. He's the person who, who lived out the human life in the way that it was meant to be. And so we can often look to him in his moments of stress and how we're supposed to handle moments of stress. Um, so I, I want to open up um, Luke 22 and look at two different things, how Jesus handled a stressful moment versus Peter. And th- these are, are familiar parts of Scripture for a lot of people. Um, but I want to read them and, and talk with you, Susan, about a little bit of the differences. Um, so it says, this is Luke 22, verse 39. Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives, and then right after that, Jesus is taken, and he is arrested, uh, getting ready for trial and getting ready to be crucified. And so right before that, Jesus understands that that is about to happen to him, that one of his own disciples is about to betray him. And what right before that in Scripture, in Luke 22, um, what does he do? I just read what, what did I just read that Jesus did? He prayed. Yeah, he prayed in that moment. And I think a lot we can like knock that off as not that big of a deal. But uh-huh. a, lot, a lot of us don't have to go to court. A lot of us don't have to be arrested. A lot of us don't have to know that we're going to be crucified or anything like that. But I can only imagine how stressful uh, anticipating going to trial. I remember getting in trouble in like mm-hmm. elementary school and middle school and, uh, you know, waiting upon the dean, which was my dad, to <laughs> receive discipline for the actions that I took. The worst part wasn't the actual discipline. It was in the waiting and the anticipation. There's the amount of stress that a child or a teenager feels in that moment is through the roof. Now, Jesus isn't a teenager in this moment, but he is, I'm assuming, stressed. And what we can learn from this is that he went to his father. He went in prayer in a very, probably the most stressed out moment of his life, even though he knew the end result. 
it didn't take away from the fact that he was going to have to suffer and it was going to be painful and it was going to hurt. And he still took those last fleeting moments before that to go to his father. And I think that is the greatest tool we could set our teenagers up with is teaching that them that you need to go to the father with this. You need to go pray to your savior for this because Yes, what you're experiencing is stressful, but ultimately, I cannot personally fix that for you. The creator of the universe, the creator of you, the image that you bear can comfort you much greater than I ever could. Always pointing to Christ first before ourselves will, one, put him at a greater authority for the teenager in their life, but also then also saying that that is what you do hopefully, as an adult in their life saying, like, when I'm stressed out, I don't know what else to do but pray. That is a great tool and something that we see Jesus do in that situation. So let's let's compare that a little bit with um, a little bit after. So after that, we just jump down into verse 54, and this is Peter denies Jesus. So obviously, Peter is very stressed out in this moment, and this is what happens. Then they seized him and led him away bringing him to the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, Still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was, uh, he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So obviously Peter was extremely stressed. And it shows like our sinful reality of how we as sinful beings deal with stress in the moment. As, as a comparison, I really believe that these are two sections in scripture are meant to show us a comparison of how Jesus handles stress versus how most people handle mm-hmm. stress. And Jesus went to the Father, which is what we're supposed to do. We're always supposed to lean on God because he knew that He was the only one that could take away the cup that he was supposed to drink. And even though his will was different, he still went to him and sought after that and sought comfort in his father. And then what Peter did is he immediately, in a stressful moment, he was just forgetful and he denied and he pushed back and he didn't go to the father. He didn't go in prayer. He wasn't truthful. He was denying all the things that God had called him to do until all of a sudden he was reminded uh, of God's words, reminded of Jesus's words saying like, you will deny me. I know this for a fact because you're sinful. And that's what sinful people do when they're stressed out. They will deny and they will forget. So it's really important for us to set up, even ourselves as adults, set up ourselves to go to prayer above all else, um, to go to the Father, to go to our Savior in moments when we're stressed out. And I think that's where we can really stand out as Christians. We can, we can obviously 
take what this book tells us to, to respond but not react, which I think is an incredible tool. But that is exactly what Jesus did, is how do we as Christians respond but not react? Peter reacted. He reacted to that moment, and he immediately jet let the, the stress get to him. But Jesus responded. He knew exactly what he had to do. He had that plan, knowing that when I'm stressed, I need to go to the Father. He knew that about himself. And he was trying to teach us that that is what we need about ourselves. And he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised about his betrayal. In, in between those two things, you see that you know, Jesus is uh, about what was being betrayed and he was being arrested and Peter whipped out his sword to, to cut off the ear. And he's saying, what are you doing? That is Jesus saying, like, I'm not surprised by this moment. I'm not surprised that I'm being betrayed. I'm not being surprised that I'm being arrested. I'm not surprised that I'm going to my own crucifixion. But I'm going to still always go to the Father because I know that that is the best way to deal with this. Um, and that is what we're meant to do as humans and something we need to teach our teenagers to do. So stress, and I'll close with this, stress for a teenager is an opportunity for us to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. We can't avoid it. Stress is unavoidable. It's how we handle stress to make it into a good thing so that we can grow properly. That is what's really, really important for us. What do you think, Susan? It's helpful. I think I always need reminders that prayer is the first defense against these things. I think, um, obviously, in the different stories that you shared, those are different scenarios that I was thinking about how much I run to friends for advice. Or, um, not that seeking other wise people's counsel isn't a good thing, but like just what a defense we have to go to the Father first. And that is always convicting to me of how far down the list sometimes that becomes. So that's a really helpful reminder. Yeah. And I think we can leave it at that. We're in a moment of stress right now. And how can we deal with it in a way that is going to be glorifying to our God? And um, yeah, moments of growth, they they come through moments of stress. Um, Our response to them will dictate how much we grow and what type of growth we'll have. And for our teenagers, that means what kind of adults will they be when they grow up is how we help them navigate stressful moments now. So, yeah. Hope you guys are doing okay. I know. We can't wait to see everybody again. We're missing all our students for sure. Yeah. Zoom is great. Phone calls are great. But real person interaction is better. Miss that. All right, we'll pack back up in, I don't know, a month? Actually, I have an idea. I'll get back to y'all later. <laughs>